This morning we begin a new series that will take us through Labor Day, and uh, the series deals with one part of the Trinity that today most of us would say is mysterious. Most of us would say that the Holy Spirit is still a mystery because if for no other reason, he is a spirit and we cannot see him. Christians, for the most part, fall into one of two camps when it comes to that topic, the Holy Spirit. There is the hyper-charismatic group. They, they're always talking about gifts. If I were to drop my Bible, they would, under their breath, more than likely, they would be saying, all right, uh, I bind the Bible-dropping demon spirit to get out of here. And so they're always looking behind whatever door or whatever aspect to say, all right, that is just happening in the spirit world. Then on the other side, there is this group that is doctrine-only Christians. They believe in the Holy Spirit because if for no other reason the Bible speaks about him, so therefore they believe the Bible and you and I also believe the Holy Spirit. He's kind of like a comma or a semicolon in a sentence. You don't know how long you're supposed to stop there, but you know whatever's in that group that all right, I can understand it a little better, but What's that really thing? What's it there for? Some of these folks in this group of doctrine only can wax eloquently about this doctrine. But the Holy Spirit is not alive and not in charge. And there is no communion with Him in their lives. So as we start the series, Refresh, and as we look at this Holy Spirit, I've got some rhetorical questions for you as we look at this investigation and we see who He is this morning and we see some of the roles in John's Gospel that Jesus speaks about. I've got some rhetorical questions that I would like to ask And hopefully, during this series, I will answer these for us as we go through this study. First is this, is the Holy Spirit God? What's His job? Or or what is He about? What's He do? Is the Spirit still at work today? Does the Holy Spirit still still give gifts to people today? Are these gifts at work in our world or in people's lives today? Or did they cease after the first century when those believers, the disciples, the apostles, those in the first century when they died? Does the Spirit of God still speak today? A question for you and for me. When was the last time that you knew He was at work in your life. When was the last time that you heard Him speak to you? 
John chapter 14. Verse 16 down through verse 28. John records these words of Jesus as he is speaking to his disciples the night that he is going to be arrested, the night that he is going to be tried, and the next day him being crucified. Here's what he says. John chapter 14, verse 15 begins with these words. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. Verse 16. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees Him nor knows Him, you know Him, for He dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you yet a little while, and the world will see me no more, but you will see me because I live, you also will live. In that day, you will know that I am in the Father, and you in me, and I in you. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Judas, not Iscariot. Let me just stop right there. How bad was it for that guy to be named Judas? And anybody else after Judas Iscariot did what he did, everybody for that whole like generation or two, like, oh, Judas. Yeah, not Judas Iscariot, the, the, the good one of the twelve. Judas said to him, Lord, how is it? How is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not be in the world? Jesus answered him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words. And the word that you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. Verse 25. These things I've spoken to you while I'm still with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled. Neither let them be afraid. You heard me say to you, I'm going away, and I will come to you. If you loved me, you would rejoice. You would have rejoiced because I am going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. Heavenly Father, I bow before you. Father, your Spirit... Your spirit is here. 
Father, your spirit indwells the lives of the believers in this room. The same spirit that lived in Paul and Peter and James and Judas and Thomas. The same spirit that swept across the continents in the first century with the gospel of Jesus Christ from the mouths and the lives of those believers as they spread and spoke of what they had seen and what they had heard and what they had experienced is alive in us. That power, your power. Father, I pray this morning that you would open our ears to allow us to hear. You would open our eyes to allow us to see. You would open our hearts that we might understand who you are and that we are yours and Father that we have you in us. Father our hearts have hardened at different levels yes but Father our hearts have hardened and we're calloused in areas that we need to deal with this morning. And Father, it is through Your Spirit that You make that available, that that work can come about. And I pray that as we are in this room, seated in these chairs and standing on this platform today, God, You would work, that Your Spirit would work in my heart and in our hearts. Draw us to You. There are things that we need to confess. There are things that we need to stand on and that we will. Obey. God, it's no coincidence that we're here. You have us here. May you speak to our hearts and to our lives this morning. I ask it in Christ's name. Amen. Two points this morning. The first is this, that the Spirit of God is revealed in this passage. The Spirit of God is revealed for you and for me. It's, he is revealed for us and we know who He is. He is revealed for us and we see exactly who He is. Look at a couple of verses there at the beginning, it states this in John 14, verse 16. He says, And I will ask the Father, and He will give you another helper. And this helper, Jesus says, will be with you forever. Jesus speaks of this gift. He speaks of the Holy Spirit with certainty, and He speaks of the Holy Spirit of God with authority. He's going to ask the Father for God to give them another helper that's going to be with them forever. There is certainty and there is authority in His speaking. And the one thing I need you to see in this verse, in verse number 16, is that word, another. And you're like, is that 
the important word. I believe it is one of the important words. And if you and I don't understand that word, then we get sidetracked, we get off track, and we can go in 150 different directions. But he says, I'm going to ask the Father, and I'm going to ask him that he will give you another helper. In the Greek, there are two words for another. There is another of a different kind, and there is another of the same kind. And here, Jesus says to his followers, he says, I'm asking the Father to give you another helper just like me. Another of the same kind, just like me. So Jesus here describes the Spirit just like him. What did Jesus do with his disciples? Jesus talked with his disciples. What did Jesus do with him? He taught them. What did Jesus do? He corrected them. What did he do? He walked with them. He prayed for them. This same help, Jesus is saying, I'm asking the Father, and he's going to give the same type of help, another helper, just like me, to you. And he's going to be with you forever. The Spirit was a helper just like Jesus. Jesus also states that this spirit, this helper, was going to be revealed to the disciples. He was going to be revealed to his followers and the world could not see him. Do you see that in verse 21? Let me read verse 19 down through uh, 22. It states this. Excuse me, it's actually in verse 24, so let me read it. It says this, Yet a little while, and the world will see me no more. But you will see me. The world can't see Jesus, but they're going to see him. And here's why. Because I live, you also will live. In that day, you, you will know that I am in the Father, and you in me, and I in you. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Verse 23, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words, and the word that you hear is not mine, but the Father who sent me. You and I can hear Him, you and I can experience Him, you and I can walk with Him and talk with Him and be taught by Him and be corrected by Him, all because we are His. The world does not see Him, nor does He dwell in them. Jesus dwells with them now, but He, the Spirit, will dwell with them forever. So for 20 centuries, after Jesus died, rose from the dead, after this account of of John, when he went to the cross, he died, he was in the grave three days, then he rose and he ascended back to the Father as the book of Acts starts. From that moment to this moment, 20 plus centuries have taken place and the Holy Spirit continues to dwell in us forever. In, ver- in, in nine verses, if you were to go back and you were to look in verses 16 down through verse 24, I've read them twice now. 
If you look in those nine verses, there are seven times that Jesus says the word I. And here's what he says. He says, I will ask, I will never leave you, I will live, I will come to you, I am in the Father, I am in you, and I will love you. All of these things are taking place through His Spirit, which lives in us and works through us. Jesus knew that He was going away, but He also knew the one who was coming. And that one who was coming was just like Oftentimes, you you and I want to know something, don't we? We want something to be declared to us. We want something to be explained to us. But that's not how God works. You and I might want explanation, but God gives revelation. In His book, The Spirit Inside You is Better than Jesus beside you. J.D. Greer states it this way. He says, We believe in the Trinity not because we understand it, but because that is how God has revealed Himself to us. God has revealed Himself to us as God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. He is one. He has been revealed to you and revealed to me, revealed to this world in three distinct ways personalities and it is not that there was God the Father in the Old Testament Jesus came and God the Father went away and so is Jesus and then Jesus went back to the to heaven and there was the spirit that's modalism that is a heresy it is that all three are one and you and I can't comprehend it because you and I have the brain capacity that will not allow that and I said that terribly but you've got to understand that Our finite minds, our finite gray matter cannot comprehend, we cannot grasp, we cannot wrap our hands around every illustration that you come up with or that I come up with. It fails because there is only one God. There is only one triune God. And every illustration trying to explain it is lost in translation. The Holy Spirit of God is revealed for us and we see who He is. Let's spend the rest of our time this morning looking at His role. The Spirit's role is described, therefore we see what He does. There are five roles in this passage. They are are not the only thing that the Holy Spirit does, but there are five roles, I believe, in this passage for you and for me to see that Jesus describes concerning the job, the role, what the Holy Spirit is all about. The first is there in verse 16. He says, And I will ask the Father, and He will give you another Helper, and He will be with you forever. We don't have a very good word that translates that Greek word. In, in the ESV that I just read to you, it says helper. Some places call it counselor. Some places call it even comforter. That word is paraclete. And it is not an easy word to define in English. A paraclete is one who comes alongside of to speak 
to. That's the definition. This paraclete, this Holy Spirit, who is a helper, a counselor, a comforter, he is one who is coming alongside you to speak to you. I asked you this rhetorical question at the beginning. When's the last time that he spoke to you? When's the last time that you knew for certain that God spoke to you? Because that is one of his roles, is to come alongside the believer and to speak into their lives. The Spirit comes alongside you. The Spirit comes alongside me to speak into our lives. When you and I blow it, and I mean we do that royally, right? When we do that, there is a voice, and it's coming from inside our head, and it's saying, you don't deserve it. You, you just blew it, Brian. It is just terrible. I cannot believe that you just did that again. I can't believe you just did that the 46th time this week. I can't believe you did that. I mean, let's just bring them all up. And there's this voice that's saying, you're terrible, Brian. You really stand up on this stage and you say something? You need to go sit down. But because the Holy Spirit indwells in me, because the Holy Spirit is a paraclete to come alongside, to speak to me, his voice is is louder. His voice, like that of Isaiah chapter 1, verse 18. He says, I know your sins are like scarlet, but I'm going to wash them. I have washed them whiter than snow. He speaks Romans chapter 8, verse 1. Therefore, there is now no condemnation. No condemnation. I don't care what your voice is telling you inside your head. There is a paraclete who is walking alongside you and walking alongside me. In Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5, I believe you can see that on the screen, it states this, keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have, for he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. You're like, I'm all alone. No, you're not. If you are a son or a daughter of the King of kings and the Lord of lords, he is right there with you. You are not alone. You're not going through this life, this struggle, this time of temptation. You're not going through this trial. You're not going through this valley alone because he is with you. The counselor, the paraclete, is the one who walks alongside you and he speaks into your life. But not only does he do that, a second role or a second job that he is about, a second task that he is about in your life and in my life is this, that he manifests God's love. He looks right here and he says this. Jesus speaks of a future time. He speaks into the lives of the believers, of the disciples, of his followers, and he speaks about a future time for them, and he speaks about a future time for you and also for me. What does it mean to manifest? What is manifest? You may read an article, you may hear a sermon on uh, the radio or from here, and it says the manifest presence of God. Here's what that word means. The manifest presence of God, here's what it means. It means to make you feel. This goes beyond doctrine. There are times when the Spirit of God is so real that you feel Him. 
I have, I have a few times in my life that I continue to remember because the Holy Spirit was so real. I was 15 years old. I was skating in the park before they had skate parks, and um, I wasn't any good. But I, I was skating, and so I, I took a break, and I just sat down on the sidewalk on the curb. And I just sat there, and I just started praying. I can take you to the spot, two-hour drive south of here in Houston, Mississippi, and the Holy Spirit of God sat right beside me, and he called me into ministry. And I was blown away. I was like, God, there's no way. He's like, yep, that's what I want you to do. 1994, I was a sophomore in college running from God, and the Holy Spirit of God got a hold of me. And he said, why don't you come back? And he put me in a church. After I surrendered to ministry, he put me in a church where I was youth minister of three youth. And those were too many. (laughs) They were. But overnight in a week, God's spirit moved through that town. And the youth group went from 3 to 43 because revival hit. 110 salvations and baptisms. Our church that I was a part of, we were averaging right at 100. And after that week, for the next two years while I was there and while the pastor was there, we were averaging over 190. And it was all because God moved. It was a time in 2004 that I just took a week, and I fasted for a week, and one of my friends and I fasted, and in that week, God's presence was so real. Nineteen ninety-nine, when Paige was in the hospital for six plus weeks, seven weeks to the hour, he brought us through both. He brought both of us through it. He's real. It goes beyond the doctrine. It goes beyond, I understand that there is a word that says holy and there's a word that says spirit in these books. The manifest presence of Almighty God is what the Spirit is doing. And He manifests His love for you and He manifests His love for me and to me. That's one of His roles. I referenced the book already, but uh, J.D. Greer puts it this way about the manifold presence of God and about that being a role of the Spirit. This is a sense, this manifest presence of God is a sense of the majesty and beauty of God's heart at work presently. He is working All around you and all around me. And there are moments when he allows you to see it. And when he allows you to see it, that is manifested. And I pray that it would be manifested more and more. And you and I would bask in that. We would live there. Third role. He points to Jesus. He points to Jesus. The the Holy Spirit, if you read the Gospels and you read the letters 
you read the, the New Testament, you will see time and time and time and time again that the Holy Spirit doesn't point to himself. The Holy, the Holy Spirit doesn't point to anybody else. The Holy Spirit points to Jesus. That's what he does. Just as Jesus pointed to the Father, the Holy Spirit points to Jesus. The, two chapters later in John, John chapter 17, Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane and he is praying and he knows what's about to happen. He knows that he is that Judas and the gang are coming and the cross is right in front of him. And he prays and he says, Father, Father, I don't want to do this. I know what's coming and I don't, I don't want it. If there's any other way, I mean, if there is any other way, Lord, please let this cup pass. But not my will, your will be done. This past week in uh, men's Bible study at 6 o'clock on Wednesday mornings, if you're not there, you need to be there, men. We heard a, uh, a story uh, from John Ortberg about a cinematic classic, you know, The Prince's Bride. It is an awesome classic movie. It's pretty good for one-liners, if you like one-liners. And uh, here is uh, one of those. From that movie. There is a princess in Princess Bride, and her name is Buttercup. That's awesome. And one of the main characters is Farm Boy. And every day, Princess Buttercup, before she was a princess, she would tell Farm Boy to do something, and she just didn't like Farm Boy. And Farm Boy loved her. He loved her, and his statement was this. Whatever she told him, as you wish. Whatever she would say, go clean out the stall for the 15th time, as you wish. Go bring me water, as you wish. Go do this, as you wish. And it clicked one moment. Where Buttercup understood that he was voicing as you wish, but he was literally saying, I love you. As Jesus is praying in the garden, he is saying, Father, not my will, but yours be done. I love you. When you and I see the Holy Spirit at work in our hearts, in our lives, he is pointing to this Savior. He is pointing to Jesus and Jesus is saying, you know what, I love you. And your voice back to him and my voice back to him needs to be the exact same, that I love you. Everything that the Spirit does points to Jesus. He points to his life. He points to his work in the cross. He points to his death. He points to his resurrection. Everything that he does points to Jesus. John 15.26 says this, But when the Helper comes, when the Spirit comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, He will bear witness about me. John 16.14 He will glorify me. Speaking of the Spirit, He will glorify me, for He will take what is mine and He will declare it to you. fourth role that the Holy Spirit does is this. He illuminates 
and he inspires. Right here in this passage, there are two promises to two different people. Okay? Uh, Look in verse 26. Try to bring this to a close. He states this. You heard me say to you that I'm going away. And I will come to you. If you loved me, you would have rejoiced because I'm going to the Father and the Father is greater than me. That's verse 28. I need to skip back up to 26. Put my glasses on and see. Verse 26 says this, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, listen, here's what he's going to do. He will teach you all things, and he will bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Who's he saying this to? He's saying this to the twelve disciples, right? He's saying this to the twelve disciples. Who's in that group? There's really two in the two groups that you could set them uh, apart and, and you could break them up. That, that one group could be broken into these two groups. The ones who are about to, in the coming weeks, in the coming months, the coming years, they're going to write the literal word of God. They're going to write 1 Peter, 2 Peter. They're going to write um, John. They're going to write Matthew. They're going to write the books of the New Testament. And then there is another group that he's going to illuminate and you and I even 2,000 years later are a part of that group but he's going to inspire and he's going to illuminate in their hearts and in their lives these two promises are given in John 14 26 this helper is coming and he is going to inspire he will teach you all things and he will bring to your remembrance he will illuminate All that I have said to you. Promise one is inspiration. This is the disciples. It's the ones who are going to write God's word. He is going to teach them. He's going to bring to their mind everything that Jesus said. That is why this word is God-breathed. It is because His Spirit is breathing in the heart and the life of the human author. And He's writing it down. Everything that God had to say. And you're like... What if he messed up? Here's the supernatural promise right there in that verse that the Holy Spirit is going to do this in you. Well, okay, but John sounds different than Peter. That's because John is different than Peter. Peter opened his mouth and inserted the other foot. That's what he did time and time and time again. John is the one that Jesus loved, the beloved disciple. And he is writing from that perspective, from that experience, in that view, and in that slant. But God has his hand, and he is writing the very words of God. But he also illuminates. He illuminates this way. If you look in Acts chapter 4, if you look in Acts chapter 5, You look in Galatians, you look in Ephesians, you look in uh, Thessalonians, you look in your life and in my life, there are moments and there are times when you stand in front of somebody and they are saying this, they are doing that, and all of a sudden, verse comes, and he's illuminating for you his word 
He is illuminating for you and giving you the answer to this issue, this topic, this argument, this time to stand. And he illuminates for his followers. He illuminates for you and he illuminates for me. The question for you and the question for me. He's been revealed. His role has been described and there are multiple other roles that he is about. Twofold question. Do you believe it? And do you allow him to rule and reign in your life today? Or are we those that, yeah, we believe the doctrine because it's in John, it's in Acts and Romans and every other book of the New Testament. But Brian, I can't tell you the last time. Maybe the last time that he was ruling and reigning in me, as I come to think about it, was when I was a 10-year-old who accepted him as my Lord and Savior. Maybe the last time that he ruled and reigned in my life is when I felt as if I was at rock bottom because I had blown it so many times and so hugely that he had to come and just scrape me up off the bottom of the barrel and say, you know what, I'm right here with you and I can bring you through it. But that was 10 years ago. The Holy Spirit of Almighty God dwells in the hearts and in the lives of every single believer, but he will not. He will not overthrow you on the throne if you don't want him. You say, all right, do you want to do that? Have at it. Proverbial, there's enough rope for you to go hang yourself. You want to go off the cliff? Go off the cliff. But I'm telling you, there's a better way. I'm telling you, if you would just follow, here's what I have for you. Jesus spoke into the heart and into the life of the disciple because he knew they needed him. In your busyness and in my busyness, in all your responsibilities, in all your juggling, you need to know that you need him. You need him today. You need him right now. You need to come back to him. There are things in your life that you just need to say, you know what, Lord, that is sin. I know it's sin. I see it the same way you see it. I am sorry. Please forgive me. And it needs to happen right here. It needs to happen in that black seat and whatever seat you're sitting in. But that action needs to come about because his spirit desires to speak into your life, to speak into my life, to dwell there. And He has the greatest for you. Heavenly Father, I bow before You. God, so often, Lord, we... uh, chase after the things of this world. Father, so often we um, fail to recognize you. 
in our hearts and in our lives. Maybe it's the speed that we live our lives. Maybe it's the poor planning that we have in our lives. God, we overlook the greatest thing, you. We don't start our day there. We don't end our day there. Our day's not filled with you. God, we say we're making it. But we're really not. Father, I pray for the men in this room. The women in this room. The boys and the girls in this room. God, you would awaken them to what normal Christian living is to be about. It is to be a living sacrifice. It is to be dead to sin and self. It is to be alive in and through you, by you. You have given us every spiritual blessing in the heavenlies for us to grab a hold of and to practice and to live, yet we Father, I pray. Pray that we would have eyes to see and ears to hear. Hearts to understand. God, that we would walk it out every day. God, you work. It is your time. Father, you are in the hearts and the lives of your sons and daughters here, I pray. God, you would draw people that don't know you just to know how much you love them. The invitation, sir, is for you. Ma'am, it is for you. Decisions need to be made in your hearts and in your lives. You need to respond to the Father. You stand and join with us as we sing and you respond.